Well, hallelujah. In James chapter 1, we're getting into verse number 5. We're going, coming back into this principle about wisdom and how necessary wisdom is in our lives. I believe that we're in a generation today that wisdom is more needed uh, than at any point in our lifetimes. We've lived in a, in, in a society where we've been able to go on cruise control for much of our lives. And, and, and we've had issues in our families and we've sought God, but I believe as a nation and as the church in this nation, this is a day and an hour in which the church is going to have to get reacquainted with God's wisdom. We're going to have to come back into this place where we seek the Lord, where we seek his face, and we don't just settle for the most logical response to a situation. We don't settle for just what may sound right, but we look for what is righteous in that hour. There is a righteous way to do things and a right way to do things. And and too often in the church world, you know, the old cliche goes, somebody comes uh, new to church, a visitor, and they sit in your pew, and you go and you say, I've been going to this church for 20 years, you're sitting in my spot. You know, that's right, amen, I mean, they did, that you've been there for 20 years, that's your spot, it's already indented, you know, you got it. That is right, but it's not righteous. It's not righteous. The righteous thing, right, is to seek the Lord in the, in the situations. And, and, and when we get involved in things in life, we begin to see things differently. Our, our emotions will pull us one way. Logic will pull us one way. And, and, and the world will pull us one way. But righteousness will go a different way. And, and you see, as you operate in God's wisdom, there's a different place to operate in. And I want to share with you a few things about wisdom tonight and, and why it's vital for your life and why many of us don't have wisdom. You know, many of us, we, we just use worldly logic in the church. I mean, so many times in the church world, we've, we've applied worldly principles into the church. The church today is starving for the anointing of God. It is, it is starving, and God's going to starve it out until we hunger and seek a fresh anointing from God, and not until then, but when we do, God will pour out that latter rain on the church. But so long as, so long as we lean on our own understanding and we use, we use the logic of men and we seek advertising instead of anointing, we will forever void ourselves from the wisdom that comes from above. And I, and, and, and you know, it's easy to look at the church and see how the church is, is got itself into more advertising than anointing. But what about our own personal lives? How many times have we sought to advertise advertise ourselves and we've sought to 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 manipulate situations ourselves well if I want it I got to do this well if I want to do that I've got to do that and if I'm ever going to get here I've got to go there we use the logic of men as God's people and we shouldn't we should seek God's face in every situation. You see, whenever we come up into a, a, a situation where logically we should be doing this, we should seek God's face first and do it God's way. Wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. And wisdom is a gift from God to those that seek His face. And it is a gift to God from God to those that seek His face for His purpose. 
You see, a lot of times we desire wisdom so that we can gain in our own personal beings. But God will never pour out his wisdom upon someone who uses it for selfish game. It's the same thing as the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will never come upon and baptize someone with the fire from above if they desire it for their own vain reasons. If they've not voided their self yet, if they're still seeking after the things of the world, God's not going to clothe with power from above a divided heart, a divided house. God is not going to empower a vessel that is still stained with sin. God's looking for a pure vessel to empower and clothe with power from above and give you the ability to live a holy life in an unholy world. As one of Brother, Brother Ravenhill's sayings, he said the greatest, uh, one of the greatest miracles that God ever did is that he took a, an unholy person out of an unholy world and he saved them and he made them holy and then he put them back in an unholy world and he gave them power to remain holy. That's what, that's what God does. God never calls you to, to imitate the world. And we know that in principle, and I know that's one of the, that's a holiness thing. We know that, but listen, this is what you got to see in our own personal lives. How many times do we make decisions based off of the logic of men instead of wisdom from above? Amen. Well, if I'm going to, if, if this nail's going to get down, I got to hammer it harder. Right? You know, here's the here's one of the, the, the things about wisdom that I always say, is that, that wisdom will tell you if you take this hacksaw, you can go cut that tree down. That's, you know, no. That's what knowledge tells you. Wisdom tells you to sharpen the teeth on it first. Right? Wisdom is about applying knowledge. Is about using it at the right time, in the right way. There's a timing to wisdom. You know that you can say the right thing at the wrong time? Did you know that you can do the right thing at the wrong, like, for instance, you can do the right thing at the wrong time, like, don't bring anniversary flowers to your wife the week before your anniversary. That's the right thing at the wrong time. Or don't wish her a happy birthday a month ahead of time, right? Right thing, wrong time. But when it comes to the things of God, it, it, you know, sometimes it gets convoluted because we just begin to think like the world, act like the world, and make decisions like the world in the areas of life. And then we wonder why there's no anointing in our life. And we wonder why we're struggling like the world struggles. And we wonder why we don't have hope like the world don't have hope. And we wonder why we don't have anointing like those holy rollers that have anointing on their lives because we void ourselves from that wisdom from above. Now here, in verse number five, we're going to get into this. James says here in verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Yet give it to all men liberally and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. In other words, it, it is, it's not imposing upon God to give wisdom to men. It's not. God wants to give you wisdom. God doesn't want you to make bad decisions. God doesn't want you to go the hard way. God doesn't want you to get stuck going around the same mountain 17 times. God doesn't want you to stay in that besetting sin. God doesn't want you to stay in that situation that you can't get out of. He doesn't want you to continue going headlong into the wall time after time after time. God wants to give you that anointing and that wisdom to make the right decision at the right time in a righteous way. Here's what he says in verse 6. He said, but, but... 
right? God wants to do that, but let him ask in faith. Where does faith come from, by the way? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you're going to ask God for wisdom, you've got to ask God in faith. That means you've got to have some kind of scriptural basis for what you're asking for. You've got to believe God. Your hope has to be in something that God has said, and you have to, you have to trust his character, right? So let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man... Think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A, a, a double-minded person, it, regardless of how many prayers and petitions you, you, you bring forth, a double-minded person will always cancel God's check of wisdom. You, 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 listen, that's what it says. A double-minded person, he said, let not that man think he'll get it. If we're double-minded, and you know, a, a double-minded person is someone who vacillates, who 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 serves God one week and doesn't serve God another week, who 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 seeks after God one time and then not another time. We see, and then we wonder why why is this not working? Because we're double-minded. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways, not just one way or two ways, but all their ways. They're unstable people. They vacillate. As the temperature of the room changes, they change. Think about that. One one godly minister said one time, "You're, you're either, you are either the thermostat or the thermometer. You know, you're either the one that changes the temperature of the room or you're the one that just reflects whatever change has been made. And, and whenever we're not walking in that wisdom, when we don't have that anointing on our life, all we can do is reflect everything around us because that's all that we have. But when we have wisdom that comes from above, when we have God's wisdom in our situation, we'll begin to operate on a different system than, than, than what is around us. Now here it says that a, 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 it says, verse 7, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I want you to look at that real quick, real hard. Don't think that you're going to receive anything from the Lord if you're double-minded. Now, does that say you can be double-minded and pray 18 times an hour? No. Can you, can you be double-minded but yet fast and pray and still receive? No. If you're double-minded, it voids the check that God has written called wisdom. And so many times we miss that in our lives. And we just, because what God's looking for is, when, when you say double-minded, what, what we're looking at and aiming at is someone who does not serve two masters. That's what we're looking at. It's someone that doesn't serve God and mammon or God and self or God and politics or God and money or God and spouses or God and children or God and whatever else, you know, hobbies. It's, it's God is looking for someone that has not served two masters. He's looking for someone who's sold out, who is a surrendered vessel that he can use. In, in, in this here, it says that this person that's double-minded shouldn't think that they're going to receive anything from God. So you can crawl, you can fingernail into the altar, you can do all that. But until we get to that place where we're no longer double-minded, we won't receive. It's only when we're single-hearted after God. It's only when we're single-minded after God, when we're no longer serving two masters. Now, choosing God, 
Choosing God only in certain situations is double-mindedness. How many of you know people like that? Choosing God in certain situations. You know what I mean by that? Lose my job, go to church. Get a job, don't go to church. It's choosing God in certain situations. When, when I got a trial, I'll press in. When I don't have a trial, I'll press out. Because, you know, I'm good at managing my life while I don't have trials. It's when I have trials, that's when I need God. This is someone, this is a double-minded person, and this is someone that, that will not receive wisdom from God, that God will pull back from, that they cancel that check from God. But choosing God in only certain situations is double-mindedness. It's showing God that you've got it on the good days. You just need him on the bad days. And if, you, if we're not careful as Christians, that can, also, that can often creep into the church world. That can often creep into some of our worship. We, it's like, I need God in the valley. I got it on the mountain, but I need God in the valley. No, I need God day by day, hour by hour, because I know me, and I know I need him. I know that I need him living in me. I know that I need to walk in his light. I know that I need the spirit from above. I know that I need his word. I know that I need that anointing in my life. I know I need his presence in my life. You see, one of the things that, that, that I believe that we that a pitfall that we've fallen for in the church, and it's, it's actually deceived people, is they, they actually crave the presence because there's a mystic, there's a mysticism to the presence of God. They crave the presence of God, but they don't want the person of God. You see, the, the mystic will, will crave the smoke. They will crave the chill bumps. They will crave the, the signs and the wonders. And they will, they will crave the, 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 the spiritual atmosphere. But they don't want the person of God. The person, how can you want the presence of someone that you don't want to know? Because if you want his presence, you'll begin to know who he is. You'll begin to know what he, what he is and what he's not. You'll begin to know what holiness is. And you'll begin to know the reality of what scripture teaches. You'll begin to know that he is God Almighty and that there's no God beside him and that there's no, there's not two gods or three gods or four gods, but there's one God and that he's, he's shown who he is. And, and, and one of the things that I want you to see though is right here. So many people, so many people believe that they can get this wisdom from God as long as they ask for it, but they don't give Him their mind. They don't give Him their heart. They don't give Him their life. And, and, and that will cancel out the check that God has for you every single time. One of the most important uh, things about wisdom is timing. Timing. is It is God will show you when to do the thing. God will show you when to do the thing. That's God's wisdom. God will show you when to ask the question. He will show you when to approach a person. God will show you when to walk away from a bad situation. And God will show you when to say goodbye to self and let go of your pride and to, and to, and to go join yourself to God's, to God's cause. There's a time and a place, and, and wisdom is, is that knowledge applied. Wisdom is that knowledge that God gives, and, and, and how to apply it, and the character with which to apply it. How many of you know that sometimes you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude? See, wisdom also, it involves the character of God. 
Now, now I might know that the right thing to do is to give you your $20 back, but if I wad it up and throw it at your face, how many of you know I didn't do it with God's character? Wisdom not only knows the right thing to do, but also knows the right way to do it or how to do it. Wisdom comes from God. Because listen, you, you, you might be thinking, well, I don't want to give them that $20 and all they've been doing is calling me, texting me, trying to get that $20 back. I'm tired of them. I don't want it in my wallet no more. And you want to, here, take it. I did the right thing. I gave it back there. But what you don't realize, right? is maybe that person's hanging on by a thread. This is a soul that God loves. And maybe you don't realize the hardship that they're going through. Maybe you don't realize that, you know, they're trying to feed a baby or they're trying to, you know, maybe one of their family members is sick and they're trying to help them out. We don't understand those things. And we, we, we look at things about how it affects us, but we don't look at things about how it affects God's people. But wisdom will begin to see from God's perspective because God knows what they're going through and he'll tell you the right place the right timing, and the right character with which to use. These are things that come from God. Men don't know how to do that. This is The logic of men is, is so far out the window. But if we're honest, if we're honest, by and large, the church has been ruled by the wisdom of men for a long time. Wisdom of men teaches us that if we build a bigger building and if we have a recreational hall and set up a pool table and have some neon lights and, and, and blinking, uh, you know, reindeer out in front of the church, then we'll, we'll be able to, you know, fire up some hot dogs. This is the wisdom of men. This is the logic that comes from men. But wisdom from God is far different. Wisdom from God seeks after his own heart. Wisdom from God is is completely different. It, wisdom from God will, will tell you to be pure and to stand and, and, and to resist. And, and wisdom from God will tell you to pray and fast and intercede and, and to share the gospel. Wisdom from God will, will lead you in the way in which God has you to go. Now, one of the things I want to get into, if you'll turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, is, is one of the truths about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 14. Because a lot of times we void ourselves from wisdom. Proverbs 14, and we're going to go down to verse number 6. You see, a ridiculer or a scorner is someone who, who looks at a situation and begins to dress it down with their mouth. How many of you know, how many of you know it's easy to tear people down? It's easy to tear people down. But God will never bless the person. God will never lift up the person who pushes others down. God will never anoint the people that push others down. God will never pour out His Spirit upon those who use their, their intellect, their words, or their deeds, or their thoughts to rip others apart. And a ridiculer is someone who is, is focused on bringing others down so that you can look better. How many of you know a lot of times where that comes from is us, not know, us knowing that we're not where we need to be? A scorner or a ridiculer is someone who, who knows deep inside that they're not right with God. They're not on good ground with God. They're not pleasing in his eyes. They don't have the confirmation that comes from the Holy Spirit. And rather than repenting and making things right and being restored by the Spirit from above, which is the proper way to deal with that, 
Instead of that, they would rather tear others down. In other words, you're way down here, but instead of coming up to where God is, instead of coming up to where God is, you would rather tear other people down below you. And that's, that's actually the, the, the genesis or the beginning of how someone becomes a scorner. And, and, and scorning is actually, there's a spiritual aspect to scorning. And, and you can get carried away. You can get carried away in scorning. Well, if that was me, I would not wear an orange tie with a blue shirt. You, you, you can get carried away with scorning. And it will begin to cause you to drift away from listening and hearing the Spirit of God. God does not like scorners. God does not like scorners. You know, you know why God doesn't like scorners? That's what the devil does. The devil, one of his, one of his main titles is the accuser of the brethren. Yes, that's one of his titles. Because he accuses you and me night and day to God. Look at him. 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 That's what a scorner does. And, 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 and God is the one that intercedes for us. Jesus is our intercessor. And so what I would just send to you before we read the scripture is the devil doesn't need assistance in scorning folks. I don't want to be on his team. I don't want to lend my vocal cords. I don't want to lend my brain. I don't want to lend my heart to him. He had me for too long. I don't want to give him me anymore. It, but he doesn't need my assistance. We don't, I don't need to be a tag team. I don't need to be WWF tag team champs with the devil. If he's going to scorn, let him scorn. I'd rather God intercede for me than be on the side with the devil and scorning folks. But one of the problems that we see in our own lives is, is, is this, this need to pull others down. And this is big. I, I'm going to key in on this in a second. But there, there's a, a, a turn of events that happens. When your heart gets right with God, there's a turn of events that happens. Let's, let's look at this verse real quick. It says in verse number 6, A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Now this proverb right here in Proverbs 14, 6, it says that a scorner seeks wisdom. Everybody's looking for wisdom, but God's going to hide it from the scorner. In, in other words, those that have a wrong heart, those whose motivation is to exalt their own self and to push others down, God will always pull his wisdom back from them. That means that you'll always go the long way. You'll always go the hard way. You'll always go that, that way that God doesn't desire you to go. You know, that there's, there's a lot of times that God can, can give you a shortcut through things. I've seen people, I've seen people get arrested for things and then give their life to God and God save them supernaturally and then put an anointing upon them and they seek God for wisdom and, and, and God's favor just begins to get poured out on them. I mean, they, they go through court cases and God's anointing and favors on them and he blesses them and, you know, they get this, uh, you know, just a slap on the wrist when they could have get, they could have gone, you know, down into the cellar. That's how God operates. But, but those that have a scorning heart, God will never give his wisdom to. It is the scorner who pushes others down. And what God's looking for, what God's looking for is for you to get a heart for God's people. God's looking for you to get a heart for God's people. Let me show you one of the, if you talk about wisdom, most often people will correlate wisdom to Solomon. Solomon had so much wisdom. 
I want to show you what Solomon asked for and why he asked for it. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. 2 Chronicles chapter number 1. And we'll move down to verse number 8. So many people, many people know that, that Solomon asked for wisdom. But what I believe, what I believe that the Lord is showing us in this message is for you to know why Solomon asked for wisdom. There's a lot of times in our lives we, we desire God's wisdom because we want to get the best deal on how to finance our boat. Well, I'm remodeling this room. I need some of that wisdom, God. How am I supposed to do this? Or, you know, Lord, I, I, I really want to, um, you know, retire easy so that I can go uh, vacation in the Bahamas. So, you know, teach me how to trade these stocks. And if you go to a lot of church conferences or you listen to a lot of teaching about wisdom, especially from the wisdom, Dr. Wisdom, whatever he's called, that's what it'll end up being. Just how to retire early so you can go to the Bahamas and, and, and then you can live for yourself. Now you now yourself can flourish because you got some of that bag of wisdom from God and now you can bless yourself. You can help yourself and you can, you can just kick your feet up on the Bahamas in your chair. Well, I'm here to tell you, God won't call you to the Bahamas unless he's sending you with the gospel in your mouth. He's not going to send you to kick your feet up in a lawn chair. He'll send you to, to use you so that your feet will bring the gospel to those that don't have it. If, if God, God is looking for a people who, who, who are not selfish, who are not rivals with him. God's looking for a people who are not double-minded, who don't serve two masters. He's, he's looking to pour out his wisdom. Are you a candidate? You've got to understand this. Because this generation in which we live, we're facing unprecedented peril and unprecedented problems. You were raising up a generation of kids today that know hand sanitizer and, and masks. And, and, and they're being forced to do things to go here and forced to do things to go there. And they're ingrained, they, these things are being ingrained in them now. We're all in shock because we've never seen anything like this. But this is life to these kids. And the church, by and large, has just gone along with everything that the world is doing because, you know, the world said to do it and this is men's logic and we got to do it. But I'm here to tell you that if we're going to be God's church and we're going to be His people, He's going to pour out His anointing and His wisdom on somebody. And if you look at the life of David, it really didn't matter to God because God used the runt of the family. God passed over the good-looking, the tall, the proud. He looked over the good singer. He looked over the good speaker. He looked over the wealthy. He looked over all of them until he got to the runt because the runt had a good heart. And you see, God will look over churches and ministers and preachers and singers and he'll look over all kinds of folks until he finds someone with a good heart. He's not interested in what you bring to the table other than your heart. A lot of times people think, well, I'm not gifted. How can God use me? God is the one who gifts. He's not looking for your talents. He's looking for your heart. He's the one that will empower you. He's the one that will equip you. He's the one that will give the gifts, right? 
We don't have to worry about that because that's what the Holy Ghost does. That's the Holy Ghost department. You, you, you never say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, big deal. What you need to be saying is God can. God can. God can. God can do this. God, if, if somebody asks you to go preach somewhere, you can't, but God can. Somebody asks you to go pray for somebody sick, you can't, but God can. Somebody asks you for a word of knowledge, you can't, but God can. You, there's, there's all kinds of things in this world that we need God for, but I'm telling you right now, this generation, we need wisdom. We need wisdom because the world is moving rapidly right now. The world is changing rapidly right now. And if we don't watch out, we're going to miss God in the moment. Now, what happened to Solomon here in verse number 8? It says, It says, And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast shown great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. This is at the beginning of Solomon, right? Verse 9, Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? Solomon's desire for wisdom did not come from a selfish place. You have to get this. The desire for wisdom was not so he could understand how to finance his boat and have the payments lower so that he could still finance a tractor. And if we're honest... That's what the church world has relegated wisdom to. But Solomon desired wisdom from God so that he could know and understand how to be a blessing to God's people. Lord, teach me. Lead me. Give me wisdom so that I can be a blessing to your church so that I can be a blessing to the congregation of the godly. Lead me into wisdom, Lord, so that you can use me to be a blessing to my brothers and my sisters. Teach me, Lord, how to have wisdom, because I, I walk in grumpy, and I walk in with a bad attitude. Lord, teach me wisdom. I need wisdom on how to live right so I can be right, so that I can be a blessing to your people. You see, the, 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 the whole situation turns. Wisdom, how do I do this, turns into, Lord, give me wisdom so that we can do this. I want to be a vessel so that you can extend your kingdom. I want to be a blessing so that the church can get stronger. I want to be a blessing so that the church can grow in holiness and godliness, so that the church can grow and be the people that you've called it to be. Lord, teach me your way. Show me your wisdom in this situation. You, you, you might be perfectly right to do a certain thing, but are you righteous to do that thing? That's the question. And, 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 and I believe that when, when God asked, God told Solomon, ask anything, he would have been perfectly right to ask for money for himself. He would have been right. God asked, yeah, what you want? But instead of looking at himself, which is by and large 
my best life now, that's all it is, instead of looking at my best life now, he looked at God's kingdom now. Lord, give me an anointing. Give me that wisdom, that knowledge, so that your people, your people will be blessed. So that your people will grow. So that your people will be unified, not divided. So that your people will be led, not misled. So that your people would have light to walk in, not darkness around them. Now look at the church today. We, we don't know our head from our tail. We can sing the song. We are the head, not the tail. We can quote it, oh yeah, but we don't know our head from our tail. Because of this divided heart that we have, this double mind that we have. And, 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 and here Solomon is showing us, Solomon is showing us what a single mind is all about. A, a single mind. He is mindful of the kingdom of God. That's what he's mindful of. Let's continue in this. It says in, in, in God's response is in verse number 11. And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. You see, he sought, he sought guidance from God on how to govern God's people. And that's what God was looking for. God was looking for, if God asks you, he says, I'll give you anything you want. Okay, Lord. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom so that I can finance a boat? No. Give me wisdom so that I can lead your church. Give me wisdom so that I can lead my family. Give me wisdom so that I can lead my Sunday school. Give me wisdom so that I can lead the people on my pew. Give me wisdom so that I can lead my coworkers to be more like you. Give me wisdom so that I can lead my friends and my family to be like you. Give me wisdom so that I can lead people on the street to salvation. Give me wisdom, Lord, that I can lead the, 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 the ministry that you've instilled. Give me wisdom, Lord, that I may be able to do this or do that for you for your kingdom, for your glory, for our Jesus. It is a complete and total different dynamic than so many people understand. You see, we, we, we think we know what to do. We lean on our own understanding so much, we've forgotten this basic principle to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. We've forgotten this basic principle and it shows how divided our hearts are when we seek God for wisdom on how we can finance our boat instead of how He can further the kingdom. This is what God's looking for. You know, you, you may not pastor a church. Maybe you're the minister of your home. You, you, you may not have a home, but maybe you have co-workers. You can be the minister to your coworkers. You, you can be the source of strength to those in your family, your friends, your coworkers, those that you're around. You can be the one 
to direct them. When was the last time that we prayed that God would give us wisdom so that we could lead those around us and further the kingdom of God? When was the last time we sought God? Not so that we can finance a boat, but further the kingdom. Now, here's, uh, here's something I want you to see. For Solomon to ask this question, for Solomon to ask this question, here's an important reality. It's basic. It's not rocket science, but it's something you need to know. For Solomon to ask this question, he had to have a connection with God. He had to have a connection with God. See, a lot of times people want wisdom from God, but they don't want God. They want the gift, but they don't want the giver. Come on now. They want the gift, but they don't want the giver. Well, I got news for you. If you, if you want the gift, the giver's coming. Yeah, amen? They want what God can do for them, but they don't want the God that can do it. You see, this was the problem with Israel is whenever, whenever God came down on the mountain, they wanted to go see God. The closer they got to God, the more they saw the lightning and the earth quaking and the, the thunder and everything. And they didn't want anything to do with that God. They said, Moses, you go for us. You go for us. We don't want that. We just want the manna. We want the quail. We want the sea to open up before us. We want the water to come out the rock, but we don't want that God on that mountain. You go for us. Doesn't that not sound like the church world today? We, we, we want his peace. We want his joy. You get in Pentecostal, right? We want, the, we want the gifts of the Spirit flowing. But do we want the Spirit? Do, do we want the God of the Spirit? That, that Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis? Do we want that? That, that is God. And when he comes, when he comes, he doesn't just bring the gifts, he brings himself. Amen? Well, here's, here's, here's something important I want you to see. Solomon's greatest quality, his greatest quality was not inherent in himself. A lot of times you, you think that you can't do something because you're looking at yourself still. Solomon's greatest quality, what he was known the most for, was not inherent in his natural ability. Stop looking at yourself. You, you, you may say, well, I can't be used to God. I'm just a this. I'm just a, I'm just a, a, a plumber. I'm just an electrician. I'm, you know, I, I don't have but, nothing but a second grade education. I, I don't know. I can't quote scripture like that. And I, I can't speak like this. And I can't do this. And I can't do that. And what I would tell you is stop looking at yourself. Solomon is known all over the, 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 the religious world as the man of wisdom. But he didn't have it. He wasn't born with it. It wasn't inherent in him. It was something he sought God for. It was something that God gave. And what I want you to see in that is, if you'll get a heart for God's kingdom, if you'll get a heart for God's people, if you'll desire the nations, if you'll desire souls, if you'll desire to see people come to salvation, if you'll desire to see chains broken, if you'll desire to see people baptized in the Holy Ghost, if you'll desire to see people set free, 
and you seek them with the sincere and honest heart and ask God for wisdom on how to further the kingdom in those capacities, God will, despite what you lack, God will pour out what you need to use you for the cause. He said in James chapter 1 that he will liberally give out. He upbraided not when he does it. It brings him joy to do it because it glorifies him. And when we get sold out for his kingdom, now this is the opposite of a scorner, right? This is why I brought you over there to the scorner back there in Proverbs 14. A scorner is all about pushing others down. But, but a man after God's heart, like Solomon right here, he was all about lifting others up, that people could have the wisdom from God, that he would be able to direct them, that he'd be able to help them, that he'd be able to show them God's view on the situation. And if that's your heart, if that's your heart, God will use you. God will use you more than you can contemplate. He'll use you more than you can think. God will use you more than you'll ever think that you can imagine if you'll begin to set your heart on his people. Now, you, you can look in a church and say, yeah, I got my heart on his people, but I, I promise you God's not done saving yet. God's not done saving yet. The bell hasn't rung. Uh, it's going to ring soon, but it hasn't rung yet. And once it rings, it can't get unrung. There's no do-overs after the bell rings. And it's going to ring one day, but it hadn't rung yet. And the Bible tells us that God's not willing that any perish. That means that God's not satisfied with the amount of people in the church today. His heart is on those that are not in the church today. Jesus taught us this principle. He said that there's more joy in heaven. There's more, more joy in heaven over the one that repents and gets saved than over the 99 that don't need to repent. There's more rejoicing. Where is God's heart? God's heart is in the highways and the byways. God's heart is caught up in that hedge. God's heart is for that soul that's cast down in that gutter. God's heart is for that one that believes there's no hope for them. God's heart is for that one driving down the road right now and believing that God's done forgotten about them. That's who God's heart is for. God desires to show them that he's good, that he still loves them, and that he bought them, he sought them on Calvary, and that he will cleanse them and restore them when they come by faith to the Lamb of God and believe that blood atonement was shed for their sins and they confess that he died on the cross for them that he rose from the dead on the third day. God's desire is to save that one and he's holding back I believe he's holding back the host of the army. I believe right now the army of God is ready. They're ready. They got their weapons of war ready. But God's holding them back because there's someone else that needs to be saved. And God's desire is that the church begin to forget about financing boats but furthering the kingdom. It's that we ask God for wisdom on extending the kingdom. Lord, how can you use me? I desire souls to be saved. I'm not good at this and I'm not good at that. I can't do algebra. I can't do calculus. But here I am. Use me however you desire. Give me wisdom on whatever you need to do. And God will begin to show you. He will, he will pour out, it said, liberally upon you wisdom from above. Now, you see clearly here, James chapter 1, God said that he'll give you wisdom. But you see clearly what got God's heart. Solomon asked for wisdom, but it wasn't for himself. 
What I'll tell you is, in James chapter 1, God will give you wisdom when your wisdom is not selfish that you need. When your wisdom is not about you, when your wisdom is about the kingdom, God will begin to pour out upon you that which you need. And we all need it. This is an hour that we need wisdom like never before in the church. We need God's anointing on our lives today. The devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he's rocking. Look, he's rocking the church to sleep. Oh, he's singing lullabies, sweet nothings. He's got us singing rock songs in the church. He's got us mesmerized by the laser show behind the pastor. He's got us thinking that we can ride the merry-go-round on six flags to Jesus. He's got us all just comfortable and rocking to sleep. Literally rocking to sleep. When God has called us to get out of the building, to go out the doors of the church and to look in the highways and the byways and to compel the lost to come and be saved. That's where God's heart is. God's heart is not in building denominations and men's buildings and crystal cathedrals. God's heart is on souls and he will not pour out his wisdom on us until we get our heart united with that cause. This evening, I don't know where your lack is, but I know who your supply is. And if you'll turn to him, if you'll turn to him, he will liberally supply your every need. If you'll line up your heart where his is, get on his team. Get on his team. You know, one of the things, is, let me just come over here to James chapter 4. This, this wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have this. I just feel the need to do this. James chapter number 4. If you move down, this is one of my favorite verses. Verse 7 and 8. We'll close right here. This is what I want you to see. Verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But look at verse 8. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Some of us, God's waiting on us. How many of you know that God's got more time on his hands than you do? How many, how many sad situations have people... Waited too long. God will wait us out. If we continue to be selfish and we continue to forfeit advancing the kingdom of God, God will wait us out. We'll continue to go the long, hard way. Draw nigh unto God, he'll draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I, want to show you, I wanted to show you that for a reason. Double-mindedness, the source of it is the heart. I wanted to show you that. When, 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 when we're double-minded, God said, don't, don't let that man think he's going to get anything from me. That, because we're a house divided. We're, we're about ourselves, and then we're about God's things. We're about, we're about ourselves when it's convenient, but we turn to God when it's hard. That's someone who's got a problem in the heart. Well, God's called you to this place to where God cleanses your heart. Once your heart gets cleansed, your mind will be singular for him. And it's a heart issue. 
We started out here about double-mindedness, but it is a heart issue. I talked a lot about how God's looking for those vessels to pour out His Spirit, to pour out His wisdom on when your heart's united to His cause.